Um, all right, so I'm going to, I don't even know if it's worth trying to get a cold open out of this or if we just deal with the cold open, whatever we do the back half of it. You guys hear about this booster gold thing they're making for DC? <laughs> <laughs> with James Gunn? I think it could be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just going to just forget it. and just Maybe, <laughs> maybe they could cast Michael Sarah as booster gold. I don't know. It'd be pretty wacky. You've been saving this story for a while, huh? You've been waiting yeah. on this Hello. one. Booster Gold sounds like it's a cross between that stupid pink tiger thing from Jingle All the Way and like Pokemon or something. It just pink tiger sounds thing. awful. Oh, 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 because his name was Booster in Jingle All the Way. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Ooh, okay. Booster fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you, Booster. <laughs> Sinbad hated Booster. Fuck oh, that guy. No, now I just want a deep fake of whatever, whoever Booster Gold is into all the Booster scenes from Jingle All the Way. <laughs> Because I feel like his suit is actually similar to Turbo Man's suit. A little bit. Except different colors. No rocket pack, I don't think, but... Yeah. If he wanted one, though, like, he could. He has the visor, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, they, they just cash Arnold Schwarzenegger as much as gold. Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for some more missions is Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? And Ian Lydic. I'm legally obligated to say, today I'm brought to you by GG Subs. Get your number one energy supplement today at ggsubs.com slash Ian And this has been my legally obligated blurb about ggsubs.com slash Ian do you, can you give us the backstory why you're legally obligated to plug that? I'm, I'm sponsored now, so all of my appearances I have to plug that because it's every, part of my contract. Every single every one? Every appearance. From here on yeah. out? Yeah, so, you know, if I happened to record a podcast, let's say earlier today, for instance, <laughs> I would have said that same thing at the top. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's no way to prove I did. <laughs> Keep an eye out for that one then. Uh, Alright, so we are back to continue our never-seen-that-series for Mission Impossible. We're up to Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol from 2011. Uh, this is the first, the, per- the first Mission Impossible movie to start using subtitles. So it's no longer Mission Impossible 4, it's Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Oh, uh, 4's not even in the title? 4 is not in the title. So they stopped with numbers entirely at this yep. point? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, that's choice. Uh, so again, we've promised to do this every, about every two months, which would get us up to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 in July. So assuming uh, they that... They used numbers again! Yeah. Fuck you! Part 1, Part 1, they didn't, it's That's not a... still a number! All right. It's still a number! Fair, 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 I, I... That comeuppance took like 10 seconds! <laughs> called out already. <laughs> um... So yeah, we're we're hoping to fit on schedule to get up to next the newest Mission Impossible movie. So we have two more after this, leading up to Mission Impossible. What's that? Seven in July, which will be Dead Reckoning Part One. Them? Yeah, I don't, I don't. It's probably easier with the numbers because I start losing track of which one comes where. But thank God we record these separately. Otherwise, we'll be talking about fucking numbers for yeah. two hours. <laughs> 
Um, all right, so if you're wondering uh, what the Never Seen That Stuff is all about, it's pretty much, I think, self-explanatory, but uh, we've always sort of envisioned them as a way to introduce someone to a movie or series that you're surprised they haven't really seen yet and that we kind of feel like that they should see. So to start us off, we try to record a little bit before watching the movie to see what people know going in, and then we'll break for the movie and then come back afterwards and give our thoughts on what we've watched. Um, as another refresher, all of these movies are brand new to Ian. He has not seen anything in the Mission Impossible franchise other than, the, I guess, the first three we've watched. Uh, Andy has seen, he thinks, up to until this movie, right? You think you saw up to Ghost Protocol? I think I might have seen this one. Okay. I feel like even I was on the podcast when we reviewed this one. Oh, okay. So so if you were there for the review, then you've probably seen this. <laughs> I mean, how many reviews have I been on for movies I haven't seen? That's bullshit, because you've definitely seen the ones you've been on. Maybe it was a cold open discussion, like I had seen it and it was like, we just sort of shot the shit about it for like right, right. two or three minutes before the actual podcast started. I don't know, but I feel like I talked about it like, like this okay. before. All right. Well, that's good. So we'll, we're finally getting up to what you remember. So at least for the next two, we'll have some I feel some like this is the one I you. remember the least. So Okay. Well, that's good too. That's good too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. So yeah, at least you know for Andy's sake, like I said, he's he's seen up to this one we think. Uh, but for the sake of covering our bases, he's we've made him go back and watch all of them. So he's been here for this entire journey through all Mission Impossible's again. Um, and I don't know if we ever asked this on one of the previous episodes, but out of the three movies we've seen so far in the Mission Impossible franchise, do you have a favorite out of the three? Uh, Ian, I'll start with uh, you. What do you? <laughs> um. Fuck. Ah, uh, shit. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for someone to ask me if I liked any of the first three Mission Impossible <laughs> movies today on this podcast about the fourth Mission Impossible movie during a series in which I watched seven Mission Impossible movies. So I would have to say, if I had to pick one, I think it's the, the second one because um, that has the stupidest mask reveals and <laughs> has, like, the dumbest plot, I think, of, but it's just so vilified. So you like it because it's mess. dumb. Because like <laughs> none of these are like smart action films, I would say. None of these so far have been like, hey, it's a well-made action movie with a really smart story, like well-crafted, like, you know, something. Like I would even say like The Batman, the new one. Yeah. Like, that was a, I'll call a smart action film. Okay. This is not, this is popcorn action. So I think popcorn action works best when it's Fast and Furious and you know, we're not stealing TV VCR combos. <laughs> we're like saving the world from underground hydrogen bombs by crashing our cars in Abu Dhabi. You know, I think that's when action movies, that this kind of action movie is at its peak. When there's a naked Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, your clothes, give them to me. You know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Okay. I was wondering where you're going with naked Arnold Schwarzenegger reference. but Because it's ridiculous. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Uh, Andy, out of the first three you watched, do you have a favorite? I I honestly, after watching the first three, thought the first one was still going to be my favorite, just because that's the one I remember the most. Yeah, it just ha- it has the iconic scenes to it, with you know him hanging above the computer, the pressure sensitive uh, security system, and everything like that. But honestly, I really enjoyed the third one. I just think um, Seymour Philip Hoffman did Philip Seymour a Hoffman. great job. Whatever that <laughs> um. <laughs> I had the three names right. They were just in the wrong place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> True. And, and I, I, I thought it, it, the 
it still had its moments where I, I, it kind of took it took me out of it a little bit, but I felt like the first one didn't quite hold up as much as I was hoping it would. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I would I would say currently three is my favorite after the rewatches. Yeah, I think. I think like sorry, Brock, no, good, I good. Brought this up during the third one when we did the episode that it was the first one where they kind of were like, okay, here is our formula. Yeah. Here's our major players. Like this is this is what these movies are at this now. So I can definitely right. like I see why Andy's leaning three. It's a good, solid film. And then one, literally, all I'm remembering from one is that scene where he drops down. <laughs> that I've seen that before because you can't not and, see that. You know, and Everyone's the and the, and the and the finger licking good stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> when he hand fucks that girl, and you know, like, I've already tasted the goods. <laughs> The one thing that's going to come up on every one of these fucking episodes is for <laughs> taste of the goods. It's the quote that's going to live in infamy for all these goddamn movies. Well, that's why you got to start naming the series. <laughs> I taste the goods. Oh, it's time to taste the goods, guys. <laughs> no one like, can you know, see Ian just like wiggling around in his chair as he's saying this. Like, you're gonna, we're gonna go see the seventh one, and I'm gonna go up to the concession stand and be like, I want to taste the goods. <laughs> and then just start wiggling, yeah, I'm gonna start wiggling. <laughs> wiggling like you're doing, <laughs> like you're having a seizure or something. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> we needed to do a live episode, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I don't know what that would be anymore, but, uh, yeah, um, for, for, I think for me, yeah, Mission Impossible 3 right now out of the first three watched is, is still, I think, my favorite. I I think I said this when we talked about it, too. I think it, I feel like it gets a bad rep, and it seems like it doesn't get the recognition I think that it deserves, and I think, like Andy said, maybe on a rewatch, it, it, it peaked a little bit more of uh, people's interest, and I think holds up better than it think, maybe people think, but. I, I do think that from here on out, I think they get better, if I'm if I dare to say. Well, I think that just speaks to your point that they when they found the formula and they've just iterated on it better since then, which is why it doesn't get that credit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think yeah, between three and four, they definitely hit the stride with that. Um. All right. So going into Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, uh, Andy, what do you know or maybe remember about this movie? Isn't this the one where he looks like Assassin's Creed and all like the art, the, the posters and stuff? Yes, he's got the hood up and stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's what you remember. Andy Just said, if Eddie said that immediately, I was like, "Oh, like Chris Angel." I don't know why. <laughs> 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 you know, I had that, the, like... the, the goth magician guy. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I was talking about really... posing like really? Chris Angel, like, <laughs> wearing this fucking hood. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, now none of the marketing will ever live up to what you just described to yourself. So, I, I'm about to I, pay someone to make this for me. <laughs> Commission the art piece of the make me a Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol poster, but like make Tom Cruise Chris Angel. Like, yeah, no, I literally I think that's all I got to tell them. <laughs> that's all I want. Make sure he has eyeshadow. That's the key. That's in bold. <laughs> Is that the only thing you remember, Andy? Is just him with a hood in the marketing? <laughs> no, I, no, I just we we started going off a tangent, so I just sort of stopped. But if I recall, Simon Pegg has a much bigger role in this. Yes, and I yeah. I feel like I feel like you get to see the behind the scenes stuff, like the stuff that 
goes into them planning the things out a little better in this. And also things make more sense. Like there were a couple of things that just sort of were meh from three that didn't kind of make sense. And I feel like this is, if I remember correctly, this is a much more complete, like, I like it when they connect the dots and I'm not left to connect the dots myself. And I feel like they connected more dots in this one. If I recall, all right. Uh, Ian, do you know anything else other than, I guess, sort of what Andy just gave you for Mission Impossible Ghost so, Protocol? I know for this one, I, I know I saw the trailer at some point. Like, while I was, like, in a movie theater to see a different movie. Yeah. Uh, Simon Pegg was in the trailer, I think, and that's uh, what I remember. Okay. It's a good starting point. Oh! <laughs> There's a ghost in the movie. Like a literal ghost? Yeah, I believe uh, this is like a Scooby-Doo-esque film. <laughs> they try to capture the ghost. Right when we said they found a formula ahead. and they stuck to it, you're just going, yep, they just yeah, took it in the right field. formula. Yeah. That's been, it's been working since the 60s. <laughs> or what we call the mid-1900s. <laughs> um, I guess, Ian, we'll back to you. What are you. Any predictions for Ghost Protocol? What to expect? Okay, so I... I know this is technically a later question for Ethan going rogue, but I think when he's like when he goes rogue, he says we're enacting ghost protocol. You like ghost protocol is the term for him going rogue. Like that's the like there's a protocol now for going. He goes rogue so often it's now written into the manual <laughs> that going rogue is called the ghost protocol. You're, that's what you're I'm trying to say not far off from what I remember. So that's that's a pretty good prediction. Like I, actually. I, like gauge ghost protocol and like, <laughs> everyone just like the usa just drops off the uniform <laughs> just put a piece of duct tape over the over the logo on their on their shirt yeah. and it just says ghost protocol and sharpie <laughs> they, they shred their one passport and just pull out another one and like yep i'm rogue now <laughs> and simon's pegs has a u.n ghost because he's british <laughs> um Andy, for the stuff that maybe you don't remember, any predictions for for the movie? Um, or do you think you um, remember it well enough that you don't want to do any predictions? I, I think the only prediction I'm going to have in this one, and I think I'm correct, but I think the handler changes. You, you mean like the, the IMF uh, leader person? Right. Yes. I think they pretty much change every movie almost every movie because i think we've we've got a different one every time so far because like we dealt with what kittredge in the first one and then it was anthony hopkins and then we had Lawrence fishburne last time and yes it is somebody else this time okay and i think i remember who it is but i don't want to give it away i can't think of the actor's name but i can definitely picture him john c Riley. it is not him <laughs> that much i know uh Ian, do you expect any drastic changes from previous movies into this one? When did this one come out? 2011. Is it in 3D? I feel like, it yes, I think it was in 3D. 3D. Yeah. That's my that's my prediction for major change. Because <laughs> I was like, that's two years after Avatar 3D. Yeah, because it was this was big for for IMAX screens too. They had this was in one of the movies where they shot specific action sequences in IMAX. So it was trying okay. to capitalize on that craze too. Because there are there are some action sequences in here that that definitely start upping the ante for what these movies do. So you've rewatched it, I'm assuming, since you saw it. 
In the theater, yes. Yeah. Do you think it holds up at home then if there was these IMAX action sequences? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it's, it's still always bigger and better in the theater. Um, but it's always nice when you're watching a movie at home that, you know, is the widescreen picture and then you see the bars on the top and bottom of the screen disappear and suddenly you have a full frame of what an IMAX is that, is aspect that ratio does. Engage goes protocol. No, <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> I wish it was part right. of it, but no, no, it's not, it's not that part. But yeah, I mean, any, anytime you get an action sequence in a home video release that fills your entire TV, that's usually when it's like, oh, shit's going down. This looks great. Um, any, any, any drastic changes you expect or remember? I, I think it's going to be, uh, a bit more serious as I feel like all of the other dilemmas have been sort of like, oh, this thing, oh, this thing, it just like never fully like explained or like, I don't think they ever really like impress upon the audience the dire reasonings for the things that they need to do yeah it's yeah. just like oh yeah they have they have the the football or whatever they hell they called it <laughs> yeah what did they call it it was like the for which which one. movie third one the third one the rabbit's yeah, foot they called it yeah that's it yeah the rabbit's foot the other... is a god killer yeah the anti anti-god the anti-god oh my god yeah anti-god so yeah i, I not anti-christ <laughs> I feel like the the plot and like the the dilemma will be a, hit home a little bit more in this one. Gotcha. Okay. Um, we will be getting a different director for this one, <clears throat> which we've had a different director for every movie so far. We did uh, Brian De Palma for the first one, John Woo for the second one, J.J. Abrams for Mission Impossible Three. We have Brad Bird for this one, who this is his live action debut as a director. He was coming off of The Incredibles after this, and I think did he do? I don't think he did Ratatouille, but. I think Incredibles was the big one that apparently Tom Cruise saw and was like, "Yeah, that guy, he can he can do a Mission Impossible movie." So uh, this was this was big for Brad Bird. I'm just curious now, like like that translate. What like, like going from Incredibles to like an, an animated movie to a like like does that does that skill set translate? Yeah, I'm just I guess... curious now because I'm not really filming anything, you know. Yeah. I'm also not curious what a director on an animated film kind of does. <laughs> There's a lot I'm thinking about now. I'm like, I don't know how movies work. Well, see if you can hold on to that thought when you're when you're watching the movie and see how well like, see how well I animation translates, yeah. They have a woman with just an abnormally large ass. <laughs> uh no, I don't think. Yeah, you can't do that with real people. It's illegal. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know if I still want to ask this question anymore. I think we've had it in the other ones, but I'm going to keep doing it because it's there. But do you think you're going to like this movie? I feel like I should take this question out, but just a prediction beforehand. Andy, do you think you'll like the rewatch for this one? Yes. Uh, Ian, do you think you'll like your, your first watch for this one? As long as there's no turtles in it. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to prediction time, which is our five uh, things we've been trying to predict. Which, you know, may be a growing list if we pick any other things we want to try to predict before watching these movies. But, so right now we have five questions. Uh, first one, um, Andy, how many mask reveals do you think will happen in this movie? 
Do you have the list of the ones that I've chosen? God damn it! Before? Why? No, not uh, <laughs> not at me. No, <laughs> I wrote them on another piece um, of paper, which I don't have right now. I'm going to say three. Okay, Ian, how many mask reveals do you expect in this movie? I know you love them so much. Two. Okay, I learned my lesson with the last film. All right, I am gonna. Uh, I feel like just to be a little bit different, I should go four, but four feels like too many. Ian, Ian, I'm going with you. I'm going to go two. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like they realize they can't keep doing it as much. And I honestly don't remember where the mask gags are in this movie. Like, just trying to replay the movie in my mind, I can't remember where they're at. Although, wait, okay, there's some coming back to me. Ooh, alright, yeah, I'm fuck it, I'm sticking with two. Sticking with two. Um, some, not like ten in there. <laughs> we all wear masks. Um... We so on the back half of this episode, we're gonna pick up Mike Bradley for the actual like review discussion of it. I talked to him beforehand to get his prediction, so he has predicted one mask reveal for this. Um, second question: Does Ethan go rogue? Yes or no? Uh, Ian, it's it's in the movie title. <laughs> Fair. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Andy, yes or no? Oh yes. Okay. I am also going to say yes. Does he ever? And... I feel like I need to go back and see. I feel like he spends more top, more runtime rogue than not. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, Mike also predicted yes. So we're all yeses across the board there. Uh, next prediction. Does Tom Cruise ride a motorcycle in this movie? Yes or oh, no? Yeah. yeah. And he owns it. Like, okay. Yes he actually owned and... it. Uh, Andy, yes I'm or no? Say, I'm, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to say no as well. And we have a yes from Mike, so two yeses, two noes. Did the last one surprise us, the motorcycle? I feel like it did. I feel like he did ride he one. He rode one, like... but like when we weren't like we didn't remember well, I clearly didn't remember so I didn't see it, but I feel like it surprised people. Yeah, I think it was like... it was him riding it to like the airport to meet the team, which was like yeah. a two-second scene, but it was him like, on a motorcycle. There was no need so. to show it. They yeah. were like, shit, shit. Because you're always, you're always thinking about the motorcycle as like part of an action sequence, not just like, oh, he's driving down the road. Like, that's yeah. not exciting. This like, is a vehicle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just getting him from point A to point B. That's it. That's yeah. it's all it's there for. Um, next prediction. Uh, is there a mission-related helicopter? So does Tom Cruise and the team use a helicopter in some capacity? Yes or no? I found a formula. Gotta have a helicopter. So you're saying yes? Okay. Oh yeah. Andy, yes or no? I think I think so, but I don't think it's gonna be the lame, slow ass windmill chasing thing that we got in the last one. So Okay, so you're saying yes? Yes. Uh Mike said no. I I think I'm gonna go with no for this one. Um <clears throat> last one, which is the one that's always some form of contention. Uh, how many times will Tom Cruise run? So again, this is, <laughs> he will start and stop running. So if it's one scene and he runs and stops for whatever reason, whether he stops himself, gets punched to the ground, that's a stop. And then if he gets up and runs again, that's that's two instances of him running. Because I think Mission Impossible 3, when we started tallying them up as I was watching the movie, it was a lot more than I had thought. So... Yeah, one of them was like in the twenties or something. Yeah, right? it was it was up there. I think I think three had the most running instances that we had tallied so far, like by far. Yeah, it wasn't close. Like it would be an outlier. Yeah, plotting these points, and I'm gonna continue that tradition and say uh, twenty five. Jordan. Okay. 
Ian going twenty five. Andy, how many instances of Tom Cruise running do you think we'll get? How many how many times will he start and stop? I'm gonna say eleven. Okay. Uh I am gonna go I, I feel like I want to stick in the teens somewhere, so I'm just gonna make it nice and even at fifteen. That's uh, an odd number. That's not even. Well, you know, in the middle of <laughs> in the middle of the tens. Um we did ask Mike beforehand. He gave us the, the single digit of six. So I feel like he's going to be outpaced here, but we will see if we're I don't right. think he understands the questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see where we fall after we watch the movie. Um, anything else we want to throw out there before we get into watching the movie? Any, any last minute predictions or thoughts? Nothing? I, I think he fucks. <laughs> Another sex scene for Ethan Hunt in this one? Ethan Cunt. Okay, no, that's <laughs> that's that's, that? <laughs> that's enough of that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'll probably leave it in, but never again. Um, that's, <laughs> what all if, right. What if Ethan Cunt tastes the goods? <laughs> you just put it all together here. It just keeps getting Wait, worse. That, okay, that's how I want to do. Does he taste the goods? Yes, <laughs> I say he does. <laughs> <taste the> goods. <laughs> We're not going to add that to the production. Yes, no. yes. <laughs> no. Andy, does he taste the goods? <laughs> I think he does. I think he tastes the goods. Brian, does he taste the goods? No, I don't think that he does. No. He's the manager at Sam Goody. He's he's all about it. Sam Goody. What a pull. Jesus. Ooh. See now I can't cut it because it ends with a zigger, so it's gotta stay in now. So <laughs> All right, time to go watch the movie. So we're going to go watch Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Uh, feel free to take a break, pause us, go watch the movie. Or, you know, if you've listened and done your homework, then you've already watched the movie and you're ready to go. So either way, uh, we're taking a break for the movie. We'll be back to finish it. And uh, we'll see you on the other side with the review and reaction. All right, so we are back after finishing Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Uh, we've also added Mike Bradley to the show. Welcome back. Thanks. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Did, did did you like record any of my predictions, or did you just write those down? Like, was it? Uh, we put all that. Yeah, I put your your guesses in the pre pre movie viewing part. Okay, so this isn't the first time they've heard from me on the show. That's yeah, cool. so those are those are on record. I mean, not your. I haven't heard. I didn't play your voice. I, oh, I just... told them what you told me. Okay, that, that's what I was and asking. You weren't asked one of the questions because we added it while we were. Okay, well, hang on. Ad, ask me no, the I question now. For... <laughs> I don't remember. Does Tom Cruise taste the goods? No, no that's not. <laughs> Does Tom Cruise taste the goods? No, that's not an official yeah, question. Yeah. It's not an official question. Yes, no. it is. We all answer. Because <laughs> I was outvoted. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going to say. We didn't yeah. vote. I just yet kept asking people the answer. He tastes Ian yeah. won't take no for an answer. I, I say yes. I said, it, I said it was so yes that he was the manager at a Sam Goody. It was. <laughs> Oh, dear God. Okay, uh, so before we go any more into the movie, uh, I'm going to be, it should be fairly obvious, I'm going to throw out the spoiler warning for Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. So if you've not seen the movie from 2011, uh, do not want spoiled. Pause this now, come back after watching the movie. Or, you know, if you've done your homework and you're all cut up, then you're ready to go. Uh, but if you like to live dangerously and enjoy the spoilers, listen on, and uh, we'll give you at least some of them. Maybe not all, but some. So either way, spoilers to follow. Wee-oo, wee-oo. Spoiler! Wee-oo, wee-oo. Spoiler! You know, something like that. Okay, all right, so we can talk about whatever we want to now for the movie. Um, I'm going to start with Ian, because he's the, the newest uh, person to this whole thing. Um, 
What? I mean, like you haven't seen any. Everybody else is probably at a rewatch point. Just, I think we've. I don't know. That just to me was like, what the fuck is he trying to say? <laughs> this is what happens when I don't really write stuff down for myself. Uh, so, as for the movie, what did you think of the movie? Did it live up to or fall short of your expectations? I mean, I didn't really have expectations because, again, I haven't really. I don't care about this franchise. <laughs> like, that's why I haven't seen yeah. it. You know, and then. We've been over this. The only scene I've ever really remembered from these, even after seeing trailers for all these, <laughs> happened in the first movie. Yep. And I just knew that after Simon Pig shows up once, he never stops showing up. <laughs> Accurate. I think, truly, at the end of the day, it was another action movie starring Tom Cruise. I mean, better or worse than any of the other ones that you've watched so far? Like, where does it sort of... I guess we could end with sort of, like, where it ranks for you, but... And I think I kind of asked that I before going we, into this, which one you liked so far. And I think your top one so far was number two. Woo, woo, yeah. woo. I think you we know it. discussed the, the, the last movie, the third one, is where they assembled a template. And this is the one where they're iterating on said template. Yeah. So I think from a purely that perspective, it's improved from the previous one. I still think the second one might be the most unique take on it due to the involvement of said director <laughs> but this is the one where it feels like this is what the franchise is okay now this is just this is what i'm expecting from all of these is tom cruise telling someone i'm climbing up a fucking building <laughs> and then they wrote a movie around Yeah, what that. can he do to possibly kill himself um and also somewhere like really expensive that really is desperate for tourism and has some type of political thing going on where they don't want you to talk about what that bad thing that happens there is. <laughs> you know, I'm sure nothing bad has ever happened, though, in Abu Dhabi. That's where this took place. Yeah, I, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andy, you think this was a rewatch for you, right? You were still kind of unsure? Yes. because you I, remember, I, what you don't remember? I recall, like, the Carvana scene. No. <laughs> yeah. And I recall um, bits of the skyscraper scene, so. So this was mostly a new movie for you? A lot of it was, was pretty new, yeah. Like, I didn't recall most of it. So, like, all the plot stuff <laughs> yeah. was new? So what, what did you think for the, the re like, was it in that much more enjoyable, sort of not remembering most of it? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was really cool to sort of, like, see it again and relive it for the first time because I didn't remember a whole lot of it, so. Nice. Uh, Mike, what'd you think for the rewatch? This this is a rewatch for you, right? Oh, yeah, I've watched this one a bunch. Okay. All right, just um, make sure. Yeah, I mean, this is my personal favorite of the Mission Impossible movies, um, which is why I specifically requested to be on this episode when we started <laughs> talking about all these things. Um, it's my second favorite Tom Cruise action movie. Um, Edge of Tomorrow is still number one for me. It's a good Great movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was fun to watch again. Um, I definitely way I went way, way under on how many times Tom Cruise is gonna sprint. We'll talk about that. I <laughs> I feel like I was watching one scene and you said if he stops and starts running again, that counts, and I'm like, I feel like I lost it on this scene alone. Yeah, I have a tally. I don't know if I'm right, but I have a number that I tallied. It's it gotta during. be double mine. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see where we end up when we get there. <laughs> but yeah, in general, like it, it was fun as always to watch. It's one of those movies that if you watch it once a year, it stays kind of fresh and it's still fun. 
Um, yeah. And it not only is it my favorite Mission Impossible, it's got my favorite scene from any Mission Impossible movie, and that's when they're infiltrating the Kremlin. I I love that whole sequence and everything that goes on there. I, I just think that's a really fun thing. The whole, like, climbing yeah. the Burj Khalifa is ridiculous. Um, but awesome at the same time. It just was a little too over the top for me. And yeah, um, I don't, I don't know what else I'd say about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, this one's up there for me. I still, I don't know. I think there's part of me that really likes, like I have such a soft spot for Mission Impossible 3 that I still think 3 might sit above this one for me, but I think the action is a lot better in this one than three. And even just the, the way the action is directed, I think is a lot better. Like that whole scaling the building section of the movie, like some of the shots in that are fan fucking tastic. Um, and I, I guess we can spin this into, cause I was gonna ask you guys what you think about the director change, but this is Brad Bird's first live action movie. He was coming off of, I think the Incredibles for Pixar. I don't know if he did anything between Incredibles and this, but, um, he was basically basically dealing in animation before doing live action for this movie, and the the shot that always sticks me, with me is the one when Tom Cruise finally just swings out the window that they've opened up so he can start climbing up the building where the camera is over top of him and just swings out with him. I remember being in the theater and seeing that in IMAX, and that was like mind blowing to me the way they shot that. I was just like, like that's where your stomach drops when the camera goes out the window with Tom Cruise and you're just looking straight down. That was, yeah, I love it. Um, Andy, what'd you think of the, the, you can talk about the, any other shots that stuck out to you, but the director change between, uh, Brian De Palma, John Woo, JJ Abrams, and now we got Brad Bird. Well, I would like to say that being that this was his first live action, like movie, I believe everything yeah. else was animation before he did a fantastic job at, at setting up the shots. I thought the whole sandstorm was a beautiful shot, like seeing it mm. coming in, yeah, and yeah. then even the chase scene through it was was awesome. Just how he he set that whole thing up, even the uh, I, I I the Indian palace I thought was pretty good. How how he set that whole thing up? Uh, where Paula Patton goes? Oh, where she's trying to seduce the rich guy. Seduce the rich guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Everyone's constantly in each other's sight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, that to be, to your credit, yes, that is a very well directed scene because I don't feel like you ever lose track of like where people are. Like, no, you understand no, the setting like, and where everyone is in relation to each other and stuff like that. That's sometimes very difficult to do. Yeah, and there's a lot going on because it's like a billionaire's like playhouse or whatever, you know. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. like a shit ton of stuff going on, and and he does a good job of like keeping you very focused on the ones you need to be focused on instead uh, of having all those like unneeded panning shots of the whole party where you're like, well, wait, where, where are they again? <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Um, Mike, what'd you think of the direction? Uh, I, Andy had mentioned the sandstorm and the chase scene there. There's a shot at the beginning of that, that I think is my personal favorite in the movie. Um, and it's one of those things where like, we love those continuous shots when we're getting fight scenes but in this one we got it in a chase scene because they panned up had to be several hundred feet in the air when they're chasing each other under a bridge and they pan across the bridge and they come out the other side continuing to run 
Mm-hmm. And that was one of those things, because the whole time you're seeing the shadow of the sandstorm move in over the bridge, and it's just, it's so awesome to see them. They had to use like a drone or, you know, a helicopter something. I have no idea how they get that shot that smooth. Um, but it was awesome. Um, and there was a lot of things I think that they did very well. Um, you know, the, uh, prison scene at the start, breaking Ethan out of prison. Fucking love that. I, I, it's funny. It's good action. It's, just that whole scene and then paying it off later, I guess, isn't part of the director, but that's more of the story. But still, just the way that that scene was directed and, like, orchestrated, if you will, for when the prisoners get released. And he tells them, like, oh, shit, they're going to catch me. Just release everybody. And he just keeps running past the people being released to attack the guards. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought that was a really fun sequence as well to set up. And probably took a lot of shots to get just right. Oh, probably, yeah. Uh, Ian, would you does this dethrone John Woo for you, or are you still that's still your top director? I I, I think they did some cool stuff with this one. I both of the scenes Andy and Mike mentioned with the palace in India and the prison involved a lot of characters interacting with each other, but not being in the same shot, which isn't always easy to do, and it's something I takes a really good storyboard, which is I think where the animation background directing comes in hand. Yeah, that's fair. Because that's a lot of what that directing in animation is, is storyboarding and then getting that to then work together. So I think, I'm assuming that, you know, that's where a lot of this work went in to try and, you know, generate the story in the story, the story of the scenes itself, which I, I think they did a really good job with. Um, But again, I, at the end of the day, they still haven't done anything in these movies where I'm like, Oh, they don't do this in Hollywood anywhere else, you know. There's none of those like, oh fuck, I can't believe they're, you know. There's nothing that captures you like, like Ex Machina captured me. Like no one tells that like AI story with in like the weird Facebook thing. It's a really cool tale. I watched the movie Parasite about you know Korea, and it's this family infiltrating another family, like they're becoming parasites of another family, and. That story was really unique to me, you know, about this poor family. And then you have even stuff like The Matrix has a lot of really cool shit. Everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once has a lot of stuff inspired by a lot of things. But what does it do unique? Googly eyes. (laughs) This movie has nothing, though, where I'm like, it's that thing. At best, it has Tom Cruise running, but he does that in every fucking movie he's in. Because he thinks... He thinks he's a really good runner. <laughs> Not that he's a good runner, that he looks good running. And they still don't have a thing in this that's like, oh, that's our thing, except maybe the mask gag. But it's not a good thing that you want to make your own because it's a barely poor gimmick. Especially in this film where I don't think they did it or they did it once. I, I don't know. One time, one time. I think we counted one. Yeah, there was one, and it didn't matter, or I don't remember why it was... I mean, if you're talking mask gag, technically they did too. Because the mask machine breaking, I'd call a gag. It's not the gimmick, but it's, you know... We mean the... Yeah, I I guess I always tallied it up to every time a mask is used in a, like, on someone's face. Well, no, they 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 did it with Tom Cruise, too. When they they infiltrate the... 
Great. No, they talk about that not being a mask. Yeah, it wasn't that's a mask. A mask. It was just, it was oh, just really? like a fake mustache. Mustache okay. and a hairpiece. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. In the and, nose. And as we all know, the best mask bit is the movie The Mask. <laughs> so it's like, that's not even their yeah, thing. Yeah, when the dog puts on the mask, Smoking. it's just so perfect. <laughs> or the baby from Mask 2, Son of Mask. I, oh, I've God, totally seen no one ever, that. No one saw that movie. Let's let's try to forget that one. <laughs> Neither did I. I just know that happens in the movie. I'm starting to wonder, Ian, like if if you're so unimpressed with what's happened so far, if the, if either of the other two movies that are coming out or the, you know that we're gonna watch are gonna do anything for you, because I feel like the 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 climbing outside the building stunt was such a mind blowing thing for me when they did it that it's like I can't believe they actually fucking put Tom Cruise outside the building and let him walk around out there for days. But I since mean, then, had... I've seen a car get jumped from one building into another building. <laughs> And I've seen Several like a times. Toyota pin, a Toyota Pinto get shot into space by ludicrous. Neither one of those were things that actually happened. Like that's all CG effects. That's not. I okay. Well, well, you can't. Elon Musk got a car into space, so ludicrous could have too. <laughs> you can't prove to me that that didn't actually get into space. See, I, I mean, like I, I think Mad Max had some really cool shit, like the newer one. Um. Yeah, road. and a lot of that was probably like, practical, the, I'll give you that. Yeah, and you have, like, the cool-ass guitar man playing guitar, and he's blind, and fire <laughs> shooting out of everywhere. Do they have that in Mission Impossible? No, they don't. They have Tom Cruise climbing a vertical building, which Spider-Man does every film. <laughs> All right, and, I'm, I'm, it's not impressive. To be really fair, that, that shot, in couple movies. these stunts he does still are CG'd. Uh, quite a bit because of all the harnesses and straps that are holding him in place. There helps with some of that stuff, yes. But the fact remains, he was still at least 40 floors up climbing outside that building for hours. But right, again, but you I'm, only I'm are saying... saying it's impressive because Tom Cruise did it instead of a stuntman. Even That's even if it was a stunt... the only difference between it, him and someone else, it though. Gets... It's not like action movies don't take these risks. Jackie Chan broke every bone in his body filming stuff but you don't come, you don't invite me onto your podcast to suck off Jackie Chan. And I admire the Jackie Chan stuff too. I think if a stuntman did it too, would be. I don't know if we'd be talking about it as much because it's not, you know, the billable star that's, you know, all over the posters and all that crap. But I think it still remains that that's something that's really cool that I've never, at least maybe I'm just watching different shit that I haven't really seen any movie before. I, I think stunts like that usually are mostly CG. You, like, I. I don't think you're actually going to see people most of the time bother taking the risk when you're going to CG it anyways. It's just Tom Cruise's madness that makes him want to do this shit without CGing it. If you're going to say, oh, we're going to film, you know, 200 stories up, or whatever the fuck he was supposed to be in this movie, it was 118, 119 was the floors they were on, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're talking 118, 1819 floors up nobody's actually gonna film there in any other movie nobody's actually gonna do it they're gonna film in a studio with a green screen on maybe two or three stories of glass you know building that they made look like it's there and make everything else in cg and make it look that way a stuntman so still he... might do it but because i think they if, at least the way i've seen from the special features and stuff, they test it with a stuntman. They have a stuntman check it to make sure the rigs and everything are going to work, and then they throw Tom Cruise out there to do it. Um, but the the 
climbing the building, I think he was only like 35 floors up, and they CG'd it to make it look 100-some floors up. But either way, the the idea was if you fall from 35 feet or 35 stories up, you're going to die regardless it's, if it's 35 or 100 whatever. It doesn't matter. At least 111, I, you have a I chance of getting of blown too. higher and Maybe. floating for a while. It's, it's just without the behind-the-scenes stuff, it, it, it doesn't – it's not impressive, like, just watching it. You know what I mean? Unless you're like, oh, man, they really did all this. It's not like a visually impressive feat. Just what they did, and I think that's you know, what just purely looking at. That's it. why I think a lot of them. There's no spectacle. That's why a lot of the marketing I think for these movies isn't. Hey, let's show you a trailer. It's hey, let's show you the behind the scenes of what Tom Cruise did to set up this one shot, and all the work that goes into it. They did that for, like, uh, even before this movie came out, all the talk was around the climbing the building. Um, I'm trying to think, Rogue Nation was about him hanging outside uh, uh aircraft carrier, uh, taking off. Um, and then. Fallout uh, was him learning to fly a helicopter and do a bunch of shit, he, fl- actually flying a helicopter. He meant a cargo plane, not an aircraft carrier, by the way. That's what, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw Ian's face contort like... <laughs> yeah, my bad. Yes, you're correct. Well, I just didn't know what was cool about him being on an aircraft yeah. carrier. No. When he said, I'm like, wrong, so he hung out yeah, on yeah, an yeah, aircraft wrong, carrier. Wrong, terminal, wrong terminology. Wait, there's a cargo plane taking off, and he's hanging on to the outside of it. It's a real plane, and he's really strapped to it while it takes yeah. off. And I think, you know, the new one that's supposed to come out, all their all the PR stuff is around this jump with the motorcycle that he's supposed to do off a cliff somewhere. Like, that's all mm-hmm. over the place. So, And I've already seen yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, if it spoils I that. I already know what that's going to look like. It spoils like. that stunt, but I think there's other stuff in these movies that they put in there that it's still, it, I don't know. I saw him do it twice. <laughs> I, I, all right, I, so you're very un- unimpressed and uneasily amused. That's, that's fine. It's just, there's cooler... <laughs> to me, these aren't. He's Johnny good. Blaze. He's just trying to see if he can die. That's all. I think we're gonna come out the other end of this and just be very disappointed that Ian didn't really. Well, at least I am. <laughs> be very disappointed that Ian didn't really care for any of the six movies we just had him watch. <laughs> um, they could try hard. <laughs> I mean, I guess they can't because they already happened. But yeah, well, we'll see what happens with sevens. They're still making seven and eight. Um. Ian, I'll stick with you. What did you think of the addition of Jeremy Renner? Because I'm pretty sure at this point he was meant to try to take over the franchise, but Tom Cruise just wouldn't surrender it, so... Like, in the sense that, like, they're like, Tom's too busy to do these From what I understand, the studio wanted Tom out. And they were going to try to... This was the passing of the Torch movie to Jeremy Renner, which is right around the same time he was trying to get the Bourne movies. Neither of these worked out. He just couldn't get the franchises for himself. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I... He did more in this film than he did in the entire MCU. I would. I was almost going to say yes, but he, he, you know, he got his own show. So I think time-wise, he might have actually more, had more screen time in the MCU than. Oh, I just meant like being helpful or doing <laughs> something. People God, Hawkeye hater. <laughs> He's completely irrelevant to all of those films, <laughs> even Endgame. Like they, he didn't need to be. Well, he was a. Could have cut all he the was a dad figure for Wanda when she was still Wanda, and he stopped the her only temporarily. Thing that he did relevant from was shooting Ant Man off his arrow. That was That's pretty it. cool too. That was other than that, you could have just had the Hulk throw Ant Man probably off a spear or something. It'd have been like sicker. But you know, everything was cool too. All right, that's, that's um, doesn't matter. Still, it's, it's enough for me. It's enough for me. I mean, it could have been Jeremy Irons in this. That would have been better. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, good for Jeremy Renner getting work. 
take that. Jeremy Irons is always a good get. Yeah, I, uh, I, mean, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> Andy, what did you think of Renner in this one? I liked him in this one. I I I like how his story sort of unfolded, like his character unfolded. You you thought he was just sort of like an analyst, and then he starts pulling the moves on Tom Cruise, and you can tell Tom Cruise like notices he's pulling moves. And yeah. but there's so much shit going on. He's like, I'm gonna address this later. We, right <laughs> now, we gotta kick some ass. So it just I I enjoyed that, and I, I like how he sort of just like seamlessly went into like sort of just got into a good groove with them yeah sort of like became part of the team and it was like yeah seamless yeah uh mike what'd you think of renner he was there he was he he did his (laughs) thing um i usually find jeremy renner to be mostly charismatic and enjoyable to watch and most of the stuff he's in i i don't really have anything like great praises or bad things he 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 was just kind of there you know what I mean? I, I feel yeah. like this was at a time when he wasn't fully, I guess, come into his own as a lead actor. He was starting to get there, but he hadn't taken like leaps and bounds towards it yet. Yeah. Um, well, but, I think is this after Hurt Locker? Because Hurt Locker is what he was getting recognition for, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he, but that was a very different role, though. Oh yeah, for sure. But you're saying like like before he was at like a almost like a name, and I think he probably started to become a name right with her locker. I would assume so, but I, I was thinking more along the lines of like blockbuster kind of thing. Like Hurt Locker was an awards kind of thing, but I don't think it was like a big hit. If you like, it was a yeah. hit like with reviews and stuff like that. But I don't think it was like I don't know. Could have been. Yeah, I guess I'm looking, Hurt Locker was 2008, and then he was in a couple other things that I wasn't really familiar with. He was in The Town in 2010. Yeah, he was good in The Town. 2011, and then Ghost Protocol 2011. Okay. And then he went to The Bourne Legacy in 2012, and then couldn't keep that one, that franchise either. So he was all over the place. He he was all right. Like, I wasn't blown away or put off. Like, it was just kind of neutral. For me with him yeah one. yeah i think he was a, a good addition to the team i liked having him around i'm i've i just kind of feel bad for him that like not that like i'm mad that tom cruise stuck around because i think the movies we get after this are both really good and i don't know what they would have been like if if like renner was the lead and sort of took over and wasn't tom cruise because i don't think renner would put himself in the situations that tom cruise wants to put himself in um but yeah, I mean, I just like I don't know. Like I said, I feel bad for the guy. He's tr- he tried to take over a couple franchises, none of them landed. Luckily, I guess he got a Marvel role to give him something to do for a while. Not like he's gonna yeah, hurt for work, but you know how sad is that this guy only makes a couple million a film, but he couldn't get his own action blockbuster summer franchise. It's fine, I, I feel bad for him. That's just me. And then he got a TV show out of his Marvel. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't even get like a. You couldn't even get a broadcast deal. It had to be a fucking like show. <laughs> like that's so. I mean, cliche. to be fair, he did nearly just die, just like not long ago. So it's okay yeah. to feel bad for him. I mean, he he nearly died in a really dumb way, but he still he nearly died. Yeah, yeah. He cut off his own dick. No, he got like no. trapped under like an ATV snowplow thing because he was trying to clear a road so somebody could get somewhere or some shit. It was something weird. Like, 
And you said he wouldn't do the stuff Tom Cruise does. <laughs> point taken. Point taken. No, he'd be dead. That's the point. Is he's accident prone, <laughs> so he'd... So you check your yeah. can. Um, and I can't remember if we were talking uh, on the on the pre-show or for something we just talked about at some other point before watching the movie, but uh, you were asking if it's like Ethan's wife just goes away in this one, if we just are never going to mm-hmm. hear about it again. So we have some resolution to that. Are you satisfied with that, yeah. or did you want more? <laughs> okay, no. Well, no, not I don't want more. It's just don't write the story so he's married. Did <laughs> we solve that problem? Or two, like, it does not matter if she's dead or not. There's literally nothing to the, any of the plot line for these two films, whether she's dead or alive. Only Jeremy Renner knows she's alive other than Tom. Who cares if he knows? He's fucking dead. He's probably not even in the next film. <laughs> um, I, I I don't care, and I don't know why it's important. Like, if if it's so key to Ethan Hunt that his wife be protected and safe, he should not be within gazing distance of her <laughs> after a mission, especially. You know, like if he, if she's dead. You don't, like, hang out near her, you know? You don't just, like, chill out and, like, oh, shit, I, I can't believe it. Like, that's how the CIA catches people all the time, <laughs> is they make little mistakes that aren't even as big as, hey, I'm staring at my dead wife, <laughs> who has a job, I guess, in a fulfilling, like, role outside of work or whatever she does now, because she's hanging out with that guy, like, going around places. Like, that... That large guy in scrubs, I do not think, is IMF trained. <laughs> no, probably not. I don't think he's there to defend her. <laughs> I don't think he even knows what the IMF was, because it doesn't exist anymore. So no one's keeping her safe except Ethan Hunt, who's doing it by seeing her every six months at a 250-yard distance. <laughs> he's got a restraining order. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I thought it was unnecessary. I guess At the end of the day, it's just, why? Well, you wanted an answer. The movie gave it to you. Now you hate the answer. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it's their fault. <laughs> they could have just not. Brought, they could have just not brought it up. Never mentioned he was married. Wouldn't have cared. Wouldn't have changed a thing, except for twenty-five seconds at the end of the film. <laughs> like Jeremy Renner doesn't change something about the character he's portraying when he acknowledges he, he's the reason Tom's wife's dead. He doesn't change anything. There's no character growth there from him telling the rest of the crew that. There's no then character growth, really, because the movie just ends when Tom's like, Ha, no, dude, you had all this guilt because you thought you killed my wife, but she's alive. Ha, ha, it's funny (laughs) that you thought you killed my wife, and that's why you, like, retired from being an agent and stuff. (laughs) Ha, 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 you were depressed over my dead wife who's alive. So, Andy, how do you feel about the whole Julia thing? I enjoyed it because that's one of the questions I had, you know? Yeah. She has a name. She She does have a name. She was such an integral role in the last one, you know? Yeah. A lot of things happened with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and her, you know, like you had her and that one very intense scene, you know, where... Tom and her are like facing each other and they're strapped together or strapped apart from each other, but strapped down to chairs. Well, it wasn't her. Remember that, that was the no, whole well, gag. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I thought just the quick little, what three minute snippet was, was pretty good for me to just 
I don't know. There might, there had to have been a ton of planning going into that whole mission because they almost had to set it up from the start to get Jeremy Renner on that team. Uh, maybe. I mean, that might have been why the you know secretary guy, the IMF secretary, had him in the car, knowing they were going to pick up Ethan Hunt. I feel like they wanted Renner to take this mission. So they sort of just sort of flung him into it. And like, it's almost like Tom Cruise knew he was going to be in this mission too. See, I don't think Tom knew. Like he said, the only person that knew that uh, Julia was still alive was the secretary. Secretary is the one that put Ethan and uh, Jeremy Renner's uh, character. What the hell's his name? Brant together. So I could see the secretary being in on it. Like, hey, these guys need to get together and like hash out their shit. But I don't think I don't think Tom I don't think Ethan knew. My, my take anyway. Uh, Mike, what do you think of the whole Julia thing? Like it, hate it? <sighs> Indifferent. Does it doesn't affect anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, okay. I, I would just say indifferent. There's not much else to say there. Like, I don't. I didn't rewatch three before like, this, um, so if there's any significance from that one that carries over, I don't recall it from the last time I watched it. Yeah. Um, and she does she doesn't really play a part in the plot here? Yeah, I think I agree. She has nothing to do with the story. However, from an audience member that somehow say what you will, I'm attached to these characters at this point, and the fact that you gave Ethan a wife in the movie before, and if you don't acknowledge it in the movie after, when we've seen nothing... Like, if we had seen her die in Mission Impossible 3, then I would understand, yeah, she's not the next one. But she lives, and as far as you know, they lived happily ever after, after 3. So why is he by himself in 4 doing the spy stuff in again? Prison. Exactly, but you want to... You need to, the connective tissue of why you get from happy ending in 3 to where they're at in 4... As an audience member, I need that connective tissue. They gave that to me at the end that wrapped all so that were, stuff up and tied it up. Uh, and So you needed it, but you were okay waiting 60 minutes to get it. I didn't think they were going to get it. Wasn't I that important. honestly did not think they were going to go that far to give that to me. To actually like, see her in the movie. they just had him like... Like, I feel like you would have been satisfied if when he was in prison, instead of throwing the rock, he was fidgeting with a wedding ring just to acknowledge she was married at some point. You'd be like... Oh, he, he is If married. they weren't going to show her, yes. And that was yeah. it. If that, you would have been like, that's so fine. If that was all and we I got. Just, I just saved us ten minutes of runtime. So if the story that Brant tells was actually true, would that have been okay Where she? You? Are you talking to me or you. Ian? You. Uh, if that was the way they were going to tell it, yeah. I wouldn't be happy with that because I, I would have liked Ethan to have some sort of semblance of happiness. But no, if that was the story they were going to tell, that's enough for me. I mean, that's kind of the idea of At being least... a spy, though. You have to give all that up if you're going to be this super spy that he's going to be. You don't get that other right. shit. And I thought if they were going to go dark enough that, yes, they would kill her off screen, and then you just hear about it later, like, fine. But the fact that they turned it around at the end... See, to me, watching the movie the first time, when I, if I'm going back to the first time I saw it, that's the twist for me that I'd like with the movie. No, she's not it's dead. Not up until that That's point, just them lying to you. That's up until that list. point, you're under the assumption she is dead. Until Ethan confesses to Brant that no, she's not. It was all a cover. And look, there's my wife. Like for me, all that stuff worked. I loved all of it. A twist is oh shit, it's the butler. 
not we've been lying to you about who killed that person the whole time you know it's still so it was misdirection then i guess for me either way it worked i'm i'm on board with it um i feel like we could just if she doesn't <laughs> die by the end of this series there was no point in her in him getting married i'll say that so your your prediction now is that she dies or no I, well i'm not predict i'm saying if she doesn't get killed due to tom cruise like letting her live i guess or acknowledging she's around if that's not used against him in a future film either her being killed or kidnapped then there's no reason for him to be still married to her i don't think he is as of this still movie. married right they're i think they're just basically separated and she's under like I mean, almost like not witness not protection like the, but like but for him he's like in their mind he's married if she was fucking that dude he wouldn't have been smiling like that <laughs> Maybe he likes to watch. I tell you right now. <laughs> well, apparently, because that's what he's doing. He's 250 yards away. Or Jeremy fucking Renner. Like, dude, my wife's alive. You killed her, but no, she's alive. And then I murdered six Serbs. Did he, just, did he, did he even murder those guys? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Yes, he did. Because that was why he well, went to cause we're, cause those guys didn't kill his wife. So did no, those no, people no, even it's, exist? it's half true. It's half true. The, the, she, like, right? No, she got kidnapped. He explains this to Jeremy Renner. She got kidnapped. Ethan rescued her, killed the guys, but she wasn't dead at that point. That was when she went into hiding. He got arrested. So then and went he to on prison. the spot decided, okay, now we're going to pretend you're dead. Something like that, sure. Yeah, I don't know how the logistics. And then of he it. called the secretary of the IMF, was like, Boss man, I need a favor. My girlfriend wife was kidnapped. Now I need to pretend she's dead. Do something, but no one else can ever know. And also, if you don't do this, I'm never accepting another mission ever Quite again. Quite honestly, yes. I could see exactly, that's exactly how it happened. And that's fine for me. And I'm then, fine with that. And then he pulls off a mask and it was actually Pierce Bronson the whole time. <laughs> what? what? Now you lost me. Should I was, have a mask. I was with it up until then. Then, I'm, then you, now you just lost me. And then Pierce Bronson relayed the story to him. <laughs> Well, they were, like, meeting over, like, a spy, super spy thing. <laughs> He's, in this version of it, Pierce Bronson's still blonde. <laughs> I, I got that much, yeah. Uh, all right, I'm moving on. We, we, I feel like we can just go back and forth on this all day. Um, so we're going to get to some of our repeatable questions, but before we get to our little tallies and stuff, uh, Andy, what would you think of the cold open, which is everything we get before the titles, which is Josh Holloway getting killed and then the whole prison break sequence? Um, I actually really enjoyed the Sawyer opening. I thought that was really cool. I especially liked it after they expanded on it, like later on when Paula Patton tells the story of like yeah, how yeah. It actually the whole thing went down, which yeah. is really cool. And the prison break thing is like you you begin with like all these questions. I will say that though that that was a really really abnormally long fuse oh when the when the <laughs> credits actually start going yeah yeah uh mike we already know the prison break is one of your favorite sequences so what'd you think of the cold open stuff um you know every time i see this cold open if i wait long enough i forget that leah Sadu's in the movie and it reminds oh, me yeah. and i'm like oh yeah that's right okay i'm watching this again <laughs> I mean, other than uh, what Ian? I've already said, you know. Yeah. Ian, what'd you think? I mean, that's it, fun. Um, 
I don't. I guess it's technically not part of that scene, but I, I did like the whole. Boy, we blimey, mate! I got my field agent's degree, don't you know? You know, I'm Simon Tate. Oh. <laughs> It's like who are you? But sounded just like, like him, yeah. <laughs> right? I I got I nailed I nailed the I nailed the Welsh accent. I nailed all of the speakings you would use if you were Welsh. <laughs> we just found out that uh, to Ian, every English person is Cockneyed, so that's good. <laughs> I honestly, I thought I was doing a very poor Canadian. Accent. <laughs> I was gonna say that. I'll, I'll the, take a bad Cockney. The, the, don't you know? I was like, that's definitely Canadian. <laughs> that's very, Minnesota. Very, that was my Minnesota fleet. I was gonna say very northern U.S. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I just mind fucked like five accents. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, it's fun. I, you know, they were like, hey, let's let's have a little fun thing where Tom Cruise orders around a smaller man. Yeah. Yep. Um, I didn't realize till I was done that that was gonna be a high <laughs> Uh, yeah, I liked I liked the cold open. I still think cold open for three is one of my favorites. I think it just sets the stage pretty high right at the beginning of the movie. Um, but this is this is fun. I like the the what was that one? The one it just opens with the interrogation with Philip Seymour Hoffman when he's I'm like torturing sorry. Tom Cruise trying to get the uh, location okay. of the I'm thinking of the 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 mass dead whore. The what? From the first yeah, that's, one. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. the first yeah. one. Where the, she's pretending to be dead, but also, I think, wearing a mask. Yeah, I don't know how... Yeah, I don't remember all that stuff. Yes. It's a whole thing. It happened. Yeah. Yes. Um, Andy, describe to us the villain's plan. The villain's plan. Because <laughs> most of them are usually convoluted and forgettable, so... This, what do you this remember? One was, this one was pretty straightforward. He just wanted to nuke... He wanted to start a nuclear war. Yes. Bare bones, I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the plan. Was, I, I don't... I need to launch a fucking nuke. Yeah. That was the... I don't care how I'm doing it. Like a lot of like, ever done that before. Well, it's like, what? He needs the, the, the briefcase, he needs the codes, and then he got the codes, but then he needs a satellite, and then they couldn't get to the satellite, so then they needed something else. Like, it was just all these little other things. You're like, okay, well, sure, maybe he needs all that stuff, sure. I don't quite remember his motivation for doing so, but that was, like, his end his end game. Wasn't it like a, like the, um, uh, what do they call it? Not a, like a, fuck, cut this. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> Was he a Lien's Cossack? No, no, that's like, something um, else. Not like a genocide, but like a you know a thing where you kill off all the weak people to improve the base, like Darwinism. You create a catam- catam- cataclysmic event to kill off all of the weak human stock. Are you talking about eugenics? Super Ubermensch. Yes, that's what I wanted. It's basically a eugenics plot through nuclear <laughs> weapons. <laughs> Yep, that's, that's so good. Yeah. basically Mad Max. <laughs> like what? What Mad Max becomes? Yeah, it's a prequel. It's a prequel. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, Mike, where do you think uh, this villain stacks up against the other ones we've seen? Better or worse than? I guess it ends up being Jim Phelps, Sean Ambrose, Owen Davian from the last one. Now, I, I guess when you say that, do you mean like as a movie villain or as an actual villain? Like you're saying, like, how does he stack up in the universe against the other villains at being a villain? 
Or you more saying or less how does like the personal preference, I guess, like which which one do you like better or how they how they stack up to each other? Um I mean Michael Nyquist is fantastic, but they don't give him much to do here. So, no. you know, I still kind of have to side towards Philip Seymour Hoffman from what we've already seen. Yeah. Um I would say you know, they gave him the most to do out of any of the villains, I think, for sure. Yeah. And that, it worked. That guy in the second one, I feel like, got a lot to do. Yeah. It just wasn't interesting. No, it was, yeah, it wasn't remotely interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the, at this point, I'd say maybe second, because uh, John Voight in the first one couldn't give a shit. The second one couldn't <laughs> But he had the best line in the franchise! Did he? I think we got that with Mission Accomplished in this one. No, I don't think anything's ever going to talk. <laughs> that was close. <laughs> what was it? A decade after? What? Five years after George Bush said it? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> like that. I mean, that's all I was thinking about the whole time it happened. Like, shit. When did when did George Bush do that on that <laughs> aircraft carrier? Uh, Ian, what do you think of the the villain compared to the other ones? I basically Mike's take. Philip C. or Hoffman just had a lot more to do, so he he got to be better purely from that. The second, like like I said, the second guy also had a lot to do, but none of it was interesting. Yeah, I agree. Didn't really care. But I mean, did you taste the good? I tasted the goods. Like it's it's an iconic line. <laughs> I think I think you go around and anyone's like, oh, what's your favorite Mission Impossible line? I've already tasted the goods. <laughs> it's got to be, you know, if you're playing. Fucking family feud. It's on the board. <laughs> uh, Andy, the villains, what do you think? Well, I liked Michael Nyquist's character. He doesn't get a lot to do. So I would have to say that um, Philip Seymour Hoffman was better. I think he was more intense. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you guys said. It's it's hard for me to top Owen Davian right now. Those are That's the best one for me. Um... We got a brand new, another IMF handler director guy, which is, I tried to look in the credits uh, on IMDb. He doesn't even have a name. He just literally called IMF secretary, which I think was sort of like what Anthony Hopkins had. He wasn't really credited with a name, just secretary or director or whatever they called him. Um, so we get Tom Wilkinson this time. Uh, Andy, do you have a favorite? Does he stack somewhere on the list for you or still one of the other <laughs> he's, ones? He, he's in the movie for a car ride. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, that's it. Uh, I, it might be, it might actually be less than Anthony Hopkins, which I didn't know that was even possible <laughs> because he got like, what, two room scenes and that was about it. Yeah. Um, it, uh, very forgettable, in my opinion. Yeah. Blank uh, and you would have missed him. Mike, what'd you think? Um, I agree. I wish he was around more, though, because I feel like he's way more believable as a government spook than Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> um, like I, Anthony Hopkins, there's no question. The guy's great, but he's not a secret agent. He's not a spy. <laughs> he, he He's just not. This guy, I feel like he plays a similar character in just about everything. Like, that's the kind of person he's always cast as. And yeah. it's because he's good at it. It works. So, again, just like Michael Nyquist, it's a shame we didn't get more. Yeah. Uh, Ian? Anything to add for uh, IMF Secretary? Was, was that what Lawrence Fishburne played? Yes. 
he's the best and he's the best one, and it's not close. I I agree. Fishburne, Fishburne is also, still my favorite. Yep, he's also arguably the best actor in the movie franchise. <laughs> so I mean, it's you know, I'll take all of his sarcastic one-liners all the time. Like I I love everything about him. It was the rhetorical question, <laughs> like that great line. Don't interrupt me when I'm asking rhetorical questions. <laughs> like yeah. That's up there with I taste the goods. <laughs> uh, favorite action sequence for everybody in this movie. We might have actually already covered it, but we'll go around the horn one more time. Uh, Mike, favorite action sequence? Prison scene. O- opening prison sequence. Yeah. Uh, Ian, what do you think? Yeah, prison scene. Okay. Uh, Andy? I actually really enjoy the Carvana scene because it... Um... I think I keep They're calling both... it the Carvana one. Like... <laughs> what is? It's a it's it's just a gigantic Carvana. Um <laughs> but do you think that's what that actually is? Like where they filmed that? I no, think I it think was probably a, some futuristic parking garage. Oh, you think that's an actual I think parking so. garage? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm still hoping it's an actual <laughs> Carvana. That that could be where Carvana got its freaking idea. Um yeah, just like they they're they're so beat up and tired at that point and they they both have to do all these ridiculous things to get to the positions that they're in. And the fact that he like drops to the floor knowing that Tom Cruise is disabled, like he disabled his knee, there's no way he's going to be able to get down there in time to stop the launch and Tom Cruise finds a way. I just think it's so cool. <laughs> nice. Uh I'm actually surprised we sort of all picked different stuff. Um, or wait, no, Ian, what did you say? What was your favorite? I can't remember now. Same one I as totally Mike. forgot already. Yeah, all right. So then we didn't pick different thumb. I was like, wait a minute. I think you just said something as everybody else. All right. Um, <clears throat> no, the uh, the middle section of the movie, the the building in Dubai leading into the sandstorm, all of that stuff is is great to me. I fucking love all that stuff. Again, I'm seeing that in IMAX is one of those viewing experiences that I think was was really really cool in the theater. Um. All right, we're going to go through our, our numbered stuff that we have. Uh, so I asked again before we watch the movie, um, how many masks or mask gags do we think there will be? Ian said two. Andy said three. I also said two. Mike said one. I think Mike takes this one with one. Uh, I'll take a win. I'll take a, It's the only one I'm going to get, <laughs> but I'll take it. Um, I usually throw in the question, which one was your favorite mask gag? But there was only one, so we can't even really answer that one. Uh, the one that wasn't a mask gag, <laughs> where they, you know, infiltrate the crime. Yeah. That was my favorite mask gag. Because <laughs> it was like a gag, but, you know, it wasn't a mask, so it... Yeah, they didn't actually wear a mask. It's a mask gag gag. What what really sucks is technically that was Michael Nyquist, but you don't really find out. It's not really him, but it's his character because of the mask, right. you know. Uh, next one, does Ethan go rogue? We all said yes, and I think it's a resounding yes. Although I think yeah. there was... He started the movie off going rogue <laughs> by breaking the other guy out of prison, which wasn't a part of the plan. So I had this thought, and I don't know if, if we can... I don't really want to get tied up in a, debate, in a debate, but yes, he goes rogue, but then he gets a basically unofficial mission from the secretary before the secretary is shot. Is that considered back on mission, or is he then rogue well, but the somehow still getting a mission? Well, the whole agency, including Ethan, has gone rogue at that point. So right, he's part of got... something that's gone rogue, so... The entire agency got disavowed, so... Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. 
He's maybe like a rogue seven man, one man army. <laughs> one man. I, I, there is a gray area. I feel like you could argue that he was doing what they wanted him to do anyways, and it was on mission, so hence he was not going rogue. Right. It's... But that's how he always goes rogue, is by doing something that ends up helping the mission. <laughs> Even then, he still goes to see the fog and goes rogue from the rest of the team. After they, like, fail in Dubai... And he's like, all right, well, see ya. And he goes and sees, uh, what's his name? The, the guy who broke out of prison. Yeah, the arms dealer guy, yeah. Yeah, so he goes rogue from his own team. Even while going rogue, he goes rogue, like another layer deep of going rogue. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I guess if I make the argument that, you know, he is on mission at that point with his team, even because it's a mission he gets from the secretary, even though they're all technically rogue, I guess, or, or whatever. Um that yeah he leaves for that second but then comes back and gets back on mission with his team to still accomplish the thing that they were set out to do in the first place so i don't know it's i i could see it argued either side i think we're going to go with yes he's rogue i think that's i'm going to lose that battle if i try to fight it so we're just going to go with yes uh so here's the point of contention how many times does tom cruise run in this movie ian came in with 25 Andy said 11, I said 15, Mike said 6. I lost by far. I I know that. Oh, yeah. First scene he runs, there was more than 6. <laughs> Before the I... chase scene in Dubai, I was yeah. at 5. In my <laughs> head counting. And then I watched that, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it, it's too many. Like, it's, there's I think too many I in tallied, I think I tallied 19. No, I don't know if it's probably, you know, give or take a few here and there, but that's where I was at. What did Andy say? Andy I said, said 11. 11. And you said 15. Oh, okay, so you I priced it on him. You, you got the... Um, Ian had 25, so I think he went a little bit higher. But, you know, give or take some, it could go either my way or Ian's way, depending on how you count them, I guess. I'm sure I missed a couple. It just you got to be the late teens now, I think, <laughs> for any future of these films. They're definitely getting, like, increment. I think 3 still had the most, though, right? 3, I forget what the number was for 3, but 3 was up there, too. 3 might have been in well, the 20s. Three, he was he was fucking sprinting across like a a boating village or whatever to to try and find his wife. Remember? It's yeah. Like, well, he ran he a whole doing. bunch infiltrating the building in the beginning, and then like he ran a bunch in the middle section on the bridge, and then he ran a bunch at the end. Like he just ran a, a bunch the whole movie. He was, was just a running, running a bunch. Yeah. Like every time you saw him, he was running. Uh, next question: Was there a helicopter used in a mission-related scenario? Ian said yes. Andy said yes. I said no. Mike said no. I do not remember a helicopter. There was, there was a helicopter. I mean, there's a helicopter. Well, there, there was a helicopter was flying mi- around. It was, it was not, not used... mission related. Yeah, it was not mission yes. related. So yeah. So the people who didn't saw Mike the got movie before got it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does Tom Cruise ride a motorcycle? Ian said yes. Andy said no. I said no. Mike said yes. I also don't remember a motorcycle in this movie. Nope. No, I, so I, I think forgot to pay Andy attention and I got that, that one. one. Um, that's the last of our repeatable questions. You guys got anything? No, it's not. No, 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 not so, no. We took notes. Uh, anything else? Does <laughs> Tom Cruise taste the goods? I'd argue he gets yes. A kiss, right? So does does that count? Like he, he, he kisses? Yeah, because remember, this is the same film franchise where he fucks someone by holding their hand really erotically <laughs> in the first film. <laughs> And it's the person he's then asked, did you taste the good, you know? <laughs> like, 
So yes, that counts as him tasting the goods. Okay, we're gonna call that a yes. And if I remember correctly, we all said yes. I I can't remember what I said. I think I blacked out during that. Time. I remember everyone else is <laughs> laughing really hard, and you weren't happy about having to answer. I think I definitely remember that, and I don't remember what I answered. I just wanted to move on at that point. Um, anything else stand out about the movie to anyone that you guys want to mention? Anything else? I I love that this movie um sees them actually failing to do most of the things that they're trying to do in this movie. This is the first movie where I actually felt like the mission could quite possibly be impossible. Okay, nice. I actually got that feeling because everything they tried, fail, 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 and then they just sort of threw shit at a wall and eventually it worked. Just pure guts got it to work, you know? Yeah. Uh, For me... Uh, You got it, Mike. Um... Ving Rhames coming back for just like two seconds at the end. It was like, well, if he's going to be in the movie, we could have just, you could have wrote him into other <laughs> stuff. Like he's a cool dude. It would have been fun to have him around for more of this movie. It, you know, it like if he didn't want to do it at all, cool shit happens. You can't get the actor, but if he's going to be there, come on, let's, you know, you know, for, but he was only on set for like four hours. <laughs> Still probably. I guess the only confusing part with that is IMF doesn't exist, so why is, is he working? Because he talks about like having to search the water where the nuclear missile hit. Well, he probably got a job with but the CIA he was an IM- or something. In like two days? I assume somehow word got out that they saved the day, so the IMF somehow just gets, you know, reactivated. I just assumed there was no more IMF going forward. Oh, no, yeah, the IMF definitely comes back. Well, no, it's the EMF I mean, they get new now. missions it's, at the end, the so the IMF why, is still now functioning. You're, why do you keep spoiling these movies? Well, me? it's like, they get new... We're on, we're in, we're in this thing about how I've never seen them, and then every time we come in here, you start spoiling them. <laughs> they get new missions at the end of the movie. IMF is still there. It's the EMF, it's Ethan well, Mission just, Force. I don't know who that... <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, that's what it's been so far. <laughs> Or, I mean, that could just be the CIA. I don't fucking know. I, I don't know. I guess I always assume when you get a mission that self-destructs in five seconds, you're getting it from the IMF. So That's not where Inspector Gadget got his. <laughs> the, the other thing I would point out, to me, there was always one big problem in the movie. And that is, um, I don't remember the character's name, but Leia Seydoux's character manages to outsmart and kill someone that's doing the same job as Ethan. So presumably maybe not as good as Ethan because he's supposed to be the best of the best, but somebody else that is employed by the IMF on an equal place as Ethan, doing the same job. She manages to outsmart and kill that person pretty easily. But when presented with a fight with Paula Patton's character she completely fumbles it and looks like a scared child and gets her ass kicked quickly and easily. And I was, I always thought that was just kind of like, like what, what just happened? Why did she look like so deer in the headlights for somebody that's supposed to be this world class assassin? It's, it seemed, I mean, all she did was walk up to a guy and pull the trigger. She's supposed to be a world class assassin. All of us could do that. I'm saying she's supposed to be this really top end assassin. It's taken out, like, secret government agents from agencies that don't even officially exist kind of assassin. That, that's, that's, uh, it's pretty significant. Yeah, she wouldn't cut it in the world of assassins. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's just... The, the only thing that didn't make sense to me in the movie was when Jeremy Renner had the, the eye. 
thing and he was looking at the pages. I didn't understand why when he blinked it scrambled the numbers. Wouldn't you want the numbers to be the same so that the guy recognizes the code the correct way? That's what they ended up doing, but originally it was going to scramble. But then when they found out he had the guy that knew the codes to verify them, they then did it the normal way where it wouldn't scramble. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they, I don't, did they mention? Did they mention that? Yeah, it was supposed yeah, to they, just they be see, the one guy. They, they see the guy in the guy. elevator, and they go, "Wait, who's that with him?" And then they authenticate. They see it's the guy that's going to authenticate the code, so they realize they can't give him fake ones because he's going to call him on it. Okay. Tom Cruise and Jeremy Renner like fight about it. Yeah. Oh. He's like, "Oh, you can't give him the real codes." He's like, "Why? Well, I, I fucking got to. I'm in fucking Saudi Arabia <laughs> or wherever. What the fuck?" I climbed a building. That's exactly the lines from the movie. I don't know how you remember that. <laughs> and the that great accent, is impeccable. It's yeah, spot on. Mm-hmm. That was my John Hamm. <laughs> uh, all right, anything, last call. Anything else for the movie? No. All right, around the horn out of ten. Uh, what do you give it as a rating, Mike? Nine. Ian. Six point eight. Andy. What did I give the last couple? Oh, for God's sakes. I knew someone was going to ask, and I didn't fucking pull out the goddamn... I didn't ask because I knew he didn't have it. I have it. I knew. I was like... It's it's there. I was like, this isn't Rewind Theater where there's a guy ready to go with all the scores. (laughs) Well, this this one has taken... Like, every... (laughs) Save for the second one, everyone has, like, taken over the role of my new favorite one, so... (laughs) I'll get a third of a point more than the previous... So, Andy, the last one you gave was 7.5. I'll give this one an 8.5. 8.5, okay. Uh, Mike gave his a 9. Ian, what did you say for yours again? 6.8. 6.8. Uh, I want you to know, this is now your highest rated Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, I'm also going to give this a 9. I think this is really up there for me, and I actually... Really like it, so I guess I, I, it's on par. For, no, you know what? I'm eight point five. I'm going eight point five because I'm. It's going to be just slightly less than three. I gave three a nine. So not eight point nine. Eight point five. Eight point five. I'm going eight point five. Um. All right. I guess that's it for Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Uh. Next up in two-ish months will be Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. So we are now in subtitle territory, where all the other ones after this have subtitles. If Ethan doesn't go rogue in the one that has rogue in the title, <laughs> I'm not on any of these episodes again, so I can just say I quit anyways. Yeah, I guess we have, yeah, we have Josh for the next two. But, yeah. You got the third one? Third, what do you mean third one? Isn't that the new one? Oh, well, eventually, yeah, well, yeah one I guess we would get, out, to, yeah. get to seven, yeah. Well, I, who knows? Maybe may I'll be dead. <laughs> That's a happy thought. I'm your host. Happy thought. Uh, yeah, if you've enjoyed the episode, uh, please leave some support. Leave a five-star rating and review. Give us a share on social media. Before, Be sure to follow or subscribe to the show. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon. Hopefully, anywhere you're listening to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, search us out on Facebook. Uh, search Bry Guy and his Super Friends or go to Facebook.com slash Bry Guy Super Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions. Let, you know, let us know your favorite Mission Impossible movie out of the ones we've seen so far. Uh Email me, bryguysuperfriends at gmail.com. It's there. I won't check it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at BGSuperfriends, that I can check. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch. It's Jedi Bryguy, Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Whenever we record a live episode, we will do it there. Anytime you want to see me randomly play some video games here and there, it's also done there. 
Uh, and that's it for us on behalf of Andy, Ian, Mike, and myself. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>